You're listening to It Definitely Can Hurt, hosted by Steve Muir. This show can be heard live on Saturdays at 3 p.m. on KCIA. This podcast comes out the following Sunday. Enjoy the show! Hello! You are listening to It Definitely Can Hurt. I am your host, Steve Muir, and we are back after a unexplained two-week hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I have been going to some protests and trying to participate in political action in my immediate community, um, and I haven't been, I just haven't had the time to do the outline, we've been, I've talked before you introed me. It's okay, (laughs) I forgot to intro you, I'm with uh, Mary Jane French again. Hello! Um, so we're doing, I'm gonna do kind of like a short, like maybe half episode this week, I want to talk a little bit about, um, medical systemic racism, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, things that people should be doing politically. Um, yeah, and then we might continue to be on a bit of a hiatus or have shorter episodes for a while. Yeah. Be um, around when we can. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, this show, like, it's an hour of time on Saturday to, to you know, record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spend maybe like six or seven hours doing the research for it, and that's yeah. a lot of... It's a lot out of your week. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I know that seems kind of silly because I'm not working or in school right now, but there is stuff going on. Yeah. Um, that I'm trying to keep up with, and I also only have so much energy. My body is not great right now. Mm-hmm. So... I can only keep up with so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, racial inequality around COVID-19. Starting off with um, just, so like medical systemic racism has existed basically forever. What? Long before COVID, but COVID has like really made it amplified very very clear Mm -hmm. um not that i don't think it was clear before but i think a lot of people who didn't notice it before are starting to like notice it and also people who have tried to like skirt around the idea of it are looking more and more silly by doing that yeah like there are people still who are like gee i wonder why this is hitting these communities so much harder and like it's clearly that these communities are not provided with the same resources that other communities are yes yeah, so um, so some statistics about just general medical racism that I wanted to talk about that, like, you should have seen these 20 years ago, um, <laughs> but people weren't paying attention to them or still aren't. Um, black women are 22% more likely to die from heart disease than white women. Um, they're 71% more likely to die from cervical cancer mm-hmm. and 243% more likely to die during childbirth. <laughs> so we could have already figured out that medical racism exists. There's a lot of contributing factors here that I'm going to talk about in a minute. I also want to talk about the fact that I'm talking about medical racism against black people specifically. Um, other minority groups of color are also more likely to have adverse healthcare outcomes, mm-hmm. um, but statistics for black people specifically are far worse. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I will say, um, 
15% of Native Americans refuse to seek health care in the first place because they're so worried that they will have an adverse outcome because of racism. Mm -hmm. So that also says something about, like, the, the outcomes that Native Americans have are only out of 85% of the population who aren't too scared to seek health care in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like there's, like, historical generational trauma about white people trying to be like, we're helping you, and then doing things that kill them? Almost. 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 Just about there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's like there's some kind of history of, like, white people bringing disease or something. <laughs> yeah, instead of being people who help. Yeah. Or, or, you know, claiming to help and then doing... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Funny. Funny um, <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so about COVID-19. So I saw an article at the start of COVID-19 that I, like, was telling people about because I was like, this article is so fucking ridiculous. Um, and it was an article that... Uh, I think it was in, like, late April or early May, maybe. And it presented the statistic that black people die more frequently from COVID than white people as, like, this medical mystery. <laughs> Why is it? What What could... We, well, I, I feel like... Because it's funny, because, you know, you and I are pretty politically aligned. And so when you re- read off the, st- the stats on, like, all the areas in which uh, black people are more likely to have... Uh, adverse and negative outcomes when seeking medical care in this country, you and I were on the same wavelength of, like, that's because, like, they get worse treat, They receive worse treatment. Um, However, there's a narrative that people push that, like, and and that is widely accepted. Like, like it's, it's, um, like, it's not until you're educated to realize that it's just people receiving bad care um but the the baseline narrative that i think is pumped into our culture is that it's like on a level with like chronology where that people try to like explain it as if like it's like well that's just the rate at which that group of people uh happens to get sick and doesn't that suck and yes and that's not yes the case that is one of the things the article proposed was like is this an unknown genetic? Do somehow are black people more vulnerable genetically to COVID? Exactly. Which I highly, deeply doubt. Yeah. Um, because there's no reason for this to be a mystery that we need to explore beyond all of the super obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So my the first the first reason I want to talk about is it's really frequent that black people, especially black women and trans people, constantly report doctors not taking their concerns seriously. Yeah, I mean to use like a celebrity anecdotal thing, and, and granted, you know, you're the one that does research for this show, so I'm I'm the one talking out of my ass. But go ahead. But um, <laughs> I, I I might get it wrong because I don't track sports very well, but I'm pretty sure. Um, it was one of the Williamses. I don't know who those are. Um, uh, Venus and Serena Williams are tennis playing sisters. Gotcha. Um, and I don't, yeah, and so they're like incredibly famous athletes. They are the best tennis players. I mean, they're athletes who I know the names of. Exactly. Incredibly world famous. I've never watched a sport in my life, but they're so famous. They're like undeniably some of the best athletes. Like, there was a point where a male tennis player uh, 
I, I think it was there, there was a male tennis player who was like asked about like oh you're the first American to get a gold medal or something and he was like Venus and Serena have gotten like three like come the fuck on <laughs> like they're they're so fucking good mm-hmm. um and like undeniable one of them I uh, like went like in childbirth was, like was giving birth to her child and was experiencing, like, an intense pain, and it took so much haranguing the doctors to get them to even look into it, and then they discovered it was life-threatening. And, <laughs> and like, that's for a celebrity. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you, I can't imagine that, you mm-hmm. know. The, the, the thing that I hear people saying that I'm, you know, inclined to believe is just that medical professionals don't take black women's complaints of pain seriously. Yeah. And black people in general, but especially black women. Yeah, it's it's actually, like, very common. It's definitely one of... I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't love anecdotal evidence, um, but when you find many, many, many anecdotes, it sort of stacks up and becomes statistical evidence. Yeah, it um, becomes a scatter plot. And you can find just, like endless reports of black women who've gone to the doctor and been like I'm having chest pains or like I can't breathe and the doctor is like what just like try just like try laying down like yeah. it's just not taken seriously mm-hmm. um unless you're like clearly in distress like from it in that moment or or even then probably not or I'm, even then it's you're overreacting or exa- whatever exactly um but the point is if you are if you if but sorry, the point that I'm trying to make is that especially in instances where people are being proactive about their their health yeah. and going, hey, I'm experiencing this discomfort, this thing, I'm wondering if it might be a medical issue, and people are just being like, don't worry, yeah. and then, you know, down the line it turns out to fucking be something. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually had, I'm right now I've had that experience with a doctor where you're like, hey, this thing, like with my, I have like this nausea problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just get nauseous for no reason all the time, mm-hmm. um, don't tweet at me and tell me what you think it is because I've done my research and it's not a like it's not a thing. I've talked to doctors. It's it just happens. I take Zofran. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want your unsolicited advice. But but I've definitely talked to doctors and been like this happens all the time and they feel like well is it happening right now and I'm like no but like it happens like multiple times a month that I yeah. just like get so nauseous I throw up for no reason. Yeah, and they're I- like well come back when it's happening like. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, um, you know, because you had a, a healthcare hiccup right before COVID happened. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, before everything shut down because of COVID. Yeah, in February. In February. And um, we were, and, and there were times where we were going into the doctor a bunch because of that, and they were like, have you been nauseous? And, like, I remember, like, a, a month in, you were like, you know, actually... I've been throwing up less since this happened, and I was like, yeah, 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 you used to throw up at, at least once a week. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, but, but my point is, like, I've had doctors, like, dismiss my concerns um, just because it wasn't happening at the moment. Exactly. And when you, like, add on top of that being part of a group of people that, like, is generally not taken seriously by, like, all of these white man doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, the rate at which concerns are, like, expressed and the patient is doing the very responsible thing of bringing up a concern to their doctor mm-hmm. and, you know, paying the fee for that. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have heard is a very good way to uh, c- 
convince your doctor to do something, or at least, like, is... I, I've seen people give the advice, so this is sec- third hand, I guess, from my... By the time I'm saying it, but um, saying like, can you put it put put down in the record that you are saying that you are denying me this test, or like that yes. you are like that I asked for it and you said you don't recommend it, so we're not doing it. Yes, um, this is a really really good idea actually. If you think you need some kind of healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and a doctor denies it to you, say, well, please make a note of it in the chart that you denied me that medication, or you denied me that test, or mm-hmm. um, you denied me a referral to a specialist, because it might make the doctor reconsider and go, I don't actually want evidence that I denied this person this thing. Mm-hmm. And even if the doctor doesn't reconsider, if you have, like, an adverse health outcome later, you can go back and go- give proof of, like, I'm not going to see this doctor again. They did this to me. You know, you have you have evidence against that doctor that they have been negligent in your care. Yeah, so um, best case outcome, it means that they actually give you the care that you want and deserve. And worst case outcome, uh, if something comes... If, if, if you were right and they were wrong... Uh, you have tangible proof of that. Yeah, and you can report them to the medical board. Not that the medical board will necessarily do anything. Will necessarily do anything, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so another another reason that COVID death rates are higher in black communities is that healthcare services are, like hospitals are far between in predominantly black neighborhoods and also way less funded. And hospitals in general are underfunded and understaffed to begin with. Mm-hmm. So when a hospital is in an area where it's like extra underfunded and extra understaffed, that can mm. be like a very critical problem. Yeah. Um, and for something like COVID that has like a respiratory component, those really, and like a fever component, those mm. really, really long wait times mm-hmm. can be super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, like part of hospitals being fewer in those areas mm-hmm. means that your drive might be much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yes, you could call an ambulance, but it will be like $3,000, so most people choose not to do that. Yeah, a lot of people will get fucking ride shares. Yeah, I mean, I hope people are not getting ride shares to the ER if they think they have COVID. Me too! I also couldn't be that mad. Oh, it, it's, it's the type of thing where it's like, that's not ideal, and that's horrible if that happens, but also like people are put in a position where what choice do they have? Right. If I mean, live... if, if they're not able to drive themselves, or if they're in such a condition where they can't drive themselves and they know they can't afford an ambulance, like, the system is... That's not their fault at that point. Yeah, and it's not great for rideshare drivers, um, but also, what but are hey, you supposed to do? Remember, if... if we call them heroes and we don't actually have to compensate them <laughs> for the actual risks that they're taking. You're right, you're right. Um, just right. as long as we call them right, heroes, heroes. <laughs> and, and chalk their death up to them being brave instead of being uh, shorted by society. Yeah. And, and specifically, the government. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another factor in this is economic disparity. The cost of healthcare is a massive deterrent to people seeking healthcare, mm-hmm. to anyone seeking healthcare in the U.S., but black people are far more likely to be below the poverty line and far more likely to not have health insurance in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that, like, if you think... If you're if you're a white person who thinks that the cost of health care is a t- deterrent to you, it is even more of a deterrent to black people in your community. Yeah. Um, 
one of the reasons that these death rates are higher is a they're not seeking health care in the first place because it's cost prohibitive and then by the time that they're like oh god i have to seek health care i'm gonna die it's too late there's these long wait times on top of that mm -hmm. um and the care might not be great yeah so it's not a medical mystery <laughs> <laughs> Um, another thing I want to mention is it's like no secret that things like chemical dumping sites are far more likely to be approved near black neighborhoods than white neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when you're dealing with a respiratory illness, this can either create a pre-existing condition that will make COVID more dangerous, or it can make it much harder to recover when you're at home. Yeah. Um, so this is a thing called environmental racism. And it's a really good example is Flint, Michigan, mm -hmm. um, which is like actually a great example of this in, in, in the COVID crisis, right? There isn't clean water there. And the entire like advice we're given is like, wash Stop. your hands, mm -hmm. <laughs> take a shower when you get home from work. Stay home as much as you possibly can. Don't go out for anything except essentials. But if you have to leave the house anytime. To buy bottled to water. Yeah. You're leaving the house every single week because you fucking have to buy bottled water. Mm -hmm. And then you're using that water to wash your hands, which means you have to leave the house even more frequently and it becomes this huge cost. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's a huge thing you're spending money on and now you don't have that money to pay for a doctor's visit. Mm -hmm. um, so environmental racism is also a, a contributor to how, how medical racism exists. Yes. Um, so because of these things, which are not a medical mystery there are lots of very clear documented well-known documented things there are statistics about it yeah <laughs> like, there are yeah. peer-reviewed papers i would also like to say that this is what i came up with in two hours and this is not my per like this is what me as a white person was like this is what i can do from two hours of research so i'm sure that like there are way more factors oh absolutely um but this is me being like, here's some main ones that I've thrown together to get you started. Here's some cursory stuff that I found from simple Google searches. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it was just me, like, Googling things and then being like, hmm, what do I know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so if you think that, like, oh, yikes, those factors are bad, I encourage you to do further of your own research because I'm sure I didn't hit them all. Mm -hmm. Um. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about a study that was done at Yale. Um, it has not yet been peer-reviewed. I don't like talking about studies that haven't been peer-reviewed yet, but we're in a very fast-moving health crisis, so I think it's worthwhile to put information out there that is very, very highly likely to be correct than to wait and put out nothing. Yeah, and if this turns out to be incorrect, um, you can say so later. Exactly. This study is also just doing... Um, You're fairly... also not making critical decisions based on this information. You're just sharing the information. Yeah, and this study is... It's, it's fairly basic statistical research done by... Yale. So I'm pretty sure it's correct. Mm -hmm. um, it's that's a very most of the you know medical research that comes out of Yale ends up being peer reviewed very well. Mm -hmm. And this is not like cutting edge something we didn't know or expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So according to this study, um, Latinx people are twice as likely to die of COVID nineteen as white people are. Um, and black people are 3.5 times more likely to die of COVID-19 than white people are. Fuck. Um, another study 
from earlier in the month that I believe has been peer-reviewed by now, which is done by the American Public Media Research Lab, found that black Americans are 2.4 times more likely to die of COVID. So that study was done in, uh, I think, early April. Mm-hmm. And the Yale study just came out. Mm-hmm. So the rate has increased. increased um, but those studies amount. do corroborate each other. Mm-hmm. It, yes, it has increased a large amount. Um, also, some states are even worse than this rate. So in Missouri and Wisconsin, black people are five times more likely to die of COVID than white people. That checks out. Um, in D.C., it's six times more likely. Oof. And in Kansas, it's seven times more likely. <laughs> got a hand to Kansas. Always got something terrible going on. Way to go, Kansas. You made me blink real hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so all of this is, is kind of to say, um, the healthcare system, like, desperately needs reform, um, and also, I just feel like I've been seeing a lot of information about systemic racism and how it functions, and I feel like I've been seeing very little about medical systemic racism, Mm -hmm. and I think, well, healthcare is always, like, my pet interest um but we are in the middle of a pandemic right now so i think that that's actually like very important to be talking about in addition to systemic racism via the police force or the prison system Mm -hmm. um because the the police force and the prison system are absolutely killing black people but so is the medical system yeah um right now more than ever Mm -hmm. but also historically forever like historically forever yes as far back as we i mean i'm not an authority on it but i i I would say as as far back as we can go with colonialism uh that's been been the case definitely in the u.s as long as we've had a medical system it's been horrifically racist yeah um well that's also i mean i mean how 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 do you you think we learned about uh female anatomy do you think it was uh cutting up a bunch of white women um probably not probably not um yeah and this is also not even i'm like not even touching on aspects of medical racism that like link up with the prison system Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of like forced sterilization of black women within the prison system and Mm -hmm. that is the medical system collaborating with the prison system Mm -hmm. Um, the worst crossover in history yes truly (laughs) (laughs) truly um i'm also not even talking about um experiments that have been done very unethically on primarily black communities Mm -hmm. um the tuskegee experiment is Mm -hmm. a good example of that i am not going to give you an overview because i didn't do research on it and i don't want to get facts wrong um but that's another good like thing to look up yeah um let's all go educate ourselves yeah definitely let's all go educate ourselves um Yeah, and then another thing that I wanted... I actually mentioned this to you the other day, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about Mm -hmm. is there's been a lot of discussion about don't reform the police, don't reform the prison system, abolish them. And I am 100% in agreement with that. But I think that that conversation is really interesting when you apply it to the medical system because the medical system is very racist and it's like has a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. But you can't 
abolish healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Also, just for the sake of, um, because you know, you you and I. The majority of the episodes of this show have been you and I talking, and yes. then there's been uh, a good chunk that have been you and someone, and and you you know, obviously have other guests sometimes just to you know you and I spend enough time together, and sometimes because you have someone who's like a specifically interested or similarly um, has some expertise in the subject you're discussing. But I think that um, it would probably be good to discuss real quick the the basic reason. Instead of starting at the baseline that I know you and I have in communicating with each other, um, <laughs> like the reason that people say don't reform but rather abolish like the police system or the prison system is not like it, the, the reason for that is because I think that to people who are um, on the fence about abolition. Yeah, then just like coming out and just being like, well, obviously it makes them more wary, but I think that I mean the the, the notion behind it just being that reforming, a system that is inherently broken can get you some a marginal stride in a direction, but often it's um, in a more showy than substantive, substantial like substantial way. Yeah, um, and it comes with very often channeling more money. Yeah, into. It, it bolsters that institution that you sh- that ideally shouldn't be supported in the first place. Yeah, a really good example. I don't, I don't remember if it's from Angela Davis or Dean Spade, but a really good example is um, when when people trying to reform the prison system were like, but trans people are so mistreated. Dean Spade. Dean Spade. Um, but trans people are so mistreated in the prison system. We have to find a solution to trans prisoners being mistreated. And so some some of the solutions were, well, we'll just build prisons just for trans people and. At first, you're like, well, that might be slightly better, but the ultimate outcome is building more prisons, which means more people are going to be incarcerated. Yes, and the goal is decarceration. Yeah. Um, and the, and 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 also just like, you know, re- reforming things often means that okay, we changed the. This is more Dean Spade. Uh, uh, not paraphrase more, more yeah more paraphrasing Dean Spade. Shout um, out Dean Spade. Shout out to Dean Spade. Go read Normal Life. Um, I do. It's very good. Um, it'll give you a headache, but damn, is it good? Um, <laughs> and um, I should sell alcohol. Um, it'll give you a headache, but damn, is it good? Um, Mitch says that as someone who's never drank alcohol. Never in my life. But anywho. Um, one of the key things that Dean Spade often puts out there, um, or, or, or like exemplifies in his writing is that, um, oh God, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) 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 Ah, took too long to get to the punch. Um, Sorry. It's totally fine. Um, we were discussing, uh, prison system stuff and... I was talking about trans. Oh, yes. Um... Often when we look, try to push forward like civil rights type things, we do it in the letter of the law. And what that often does is that it makes the law reflect a thing saying, no, 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 you can't be bad to these people anymore. But then to prove that someone didn't hire you because of, you know, your race, gender, sexuality, uh, gender presentation, disability or status. Dis- disability status or identity of any kind, you can't 
prove that unless they called you a slur. Like Yeah, yeah, they have to, like, in the firing process or in the not hiring process have a conversation with you where they're like, I am not hiring you because you are black. Exactly. Don't make that sound fight. Um, <laughs> but, 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 like, they have to basically say it and then you have to be able to prove they said it. And so in the letter of the law, it looks like things are equal. And, and, and that's the big thing, is that all, all it really does is that it makes people feel good about it, but it doesn't actually affect the lives of the people that we're trying to improve. And then when you try to say, well, this person is clearly behaving in malice or what, you know, whatever point you're trying to make, uh, if you don't have that, like, concrete evidence, uh, it, like, it, the law is able to say, well, clearly we are an impartial law. That we said that you can't be bad to these people. Yeah, it makes the government look better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, while, while not, not affording. Yeah, it well, affords protection to like two people who have like very clear cut cases and mm-hmm. doesn't change the systemic problem. And people who uh, generally would, you know, if it wasn't for this one aspect of their identity, they wouldn't face oppression. Right, that's another really good uh, point to bring up, is that those those laws are very often not intersectional, mm-hmm. and so they, it kind of comes to this thing where it's like, someone who's you know co- educated and, and white, and you know has money, and is able to like you know, look good for an interview and, you know, sound presentable and, like, clearly isn't homeless, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, like, clearly doesn't buy have into respectability politics. But they just happen to be gay. Like, the law might protect that person mm-hmm. because they can say, well, I'm, like, perfect in every respect. If you just happen to be gay. Yeah, if you look at all um, of these variables and, like, what could it possibly be? Um, exactly. But if, if, you know, if the person you're trying to protect with that law is, like, a trans person, I'm actually going to describe myself, a trans person who also uses a cane, blah, 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 Mm. um, then it's really hard to prove that, like, that one vector of oppression is the one reason. Yeah, because one could argue that it's like, oh, it's because, like, who who knows if it was because of the cane, or because you're trans, or because you're a trans person who doesn't, like, totally buy into this, like, concept of binary masculinity. Right, like, right. You're, like, right. Yeah. like, is it that I don't pass? Is it that I can't lift 40 pounds? Is it that I'm gonna use the bathroom you don't want me to use? Who knows? But because it's a combination of things, the employer is much less likely to call me out on one of those specific things, and I'm not gonna have the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the point that we were making mm-hmm. <laughs> is that these Often, reforming an inherently broken system gives that system more ammunition to claim that it is impartial. So if we say, like, oh, yes, we need to put in place rules that the medical system can't, uh, um, you know, do, do wrong by these groups of people, then when the medical system does wrong by those groups of people, it's effectively just going to come back and say, well, clearly we couldn't have done wrong by those groups of people because it's against the rules to do so. Yeah. And can you prove otherwise? Yeah. And it... Yeah, yeah. And especially... But but at the same time, when that argument's applied to something like policing or imprisonment, then you can say, these systems just don't work. There are arguments for why they don't work. We need to abolish them. Um, But but your, your major point with the medical care system is if we... 
abolished the medical care system, even with an intent to build another better one. That's a real... There's still people who need insulin. Exactly. There's people, like, there's, I mean, myself included, there's people who need to get multiple medications every single month. Mm-hmm. And abolishing, a, like, I, I, I wish I could say I, I want big pharma to, to end or whatever. Mm. But... Ah, uh, yes, my uh, mom-and-pop druggist is what I need. Yeah, but it's also really hard, like, when you need medications produced at this insane volume, there's so many people who are dependent on... Absolutely. Like, insulin is a really good example, um, and certain psych meds are as well, Mm -hmm. of, like, there's just a million people who need this every month. Yeah. So, we can't fuck up that supply chain. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the same thing with, like, ER care is incredibly bad, like, Mm -hmm. doctors hardly ever listen to you, and, like... There's, it's always overcrowded, and wait times are incredibly long, and, like, it's very, very expensive, especially if you take an ambulance, and then they, like, also make you pay for parking, and, like, it has unending problems that have to be reformed. Sorry, I just imagined getting an ER bill where one of the... You, you man, first off, imagine the idea of getting an itemized ER bill. <laughs> yeah, um, without fighting someone. But then seeing that one of the things is that you paid to park the ambulance. Howdy feel like that's probably happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've... Well, we parked it at a meter all night. <laughs> and, it's in, and it's in a busy part of town. Those meters don't ever turn off. I... I've had a hospitalization where they had me, like, change ambulances because they took me to a hospital all the way out, like, past Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to an ER in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, in Westwood, but, mm-hmm. but they, West LA. Yeah. But I, I, you know, was, went to the ER in Westwood and then the hospital from that, the, the ambulance from that hospital took me a certain distance and then transferred me to an ambulance from the, the, um, psych clinic that yeah. I was going to end up at because they like both didn't go far enough in the direction. Yeah. And, like, but they could meet in the middle, but they could meet in the middle. Um, and I just got charged the full amount for both ambulances. <laughs> <sighs> um, as though I'd like gotten myself taken to the ER twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, just randomly because. Because that's the. Because they took me to a faraway site. Because they were out of range. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm now picturing a pizza place that can just be like, we can deliver outside of our range. We're just gonna charge you a double delivery fee. <laughs> <laughs> It's just gonna be like two hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I really actually wish I had reading to recommend on the subject of healthcare reform, and I don't have a lot right now. It's something that I've done a lot of reading on, and I find that I usually disagree on some main point with a lot of reading that I do. Um. Either about the way to handle alternative medicine um, or about what the solution is. Um, You know, Medicare for All is a very frequently proposed solution that I think is much, much, much better than what we currently have. Yeah. Um, Because also, a lot of what we've discussed in the last 30 minutes... um, hasn't even touched on a lot of like the key features to our system that that fuck everyone over because our our system yes 
like obviously the whole point of this episode is discussing systemic racism specifically in the medical field and how uh, those systems specifically fuck over people of color and specifically especially fuck over black people um, but we haven't even touched on the fact that they just fuck over anyone who isn't rich um, yeah. which is just like a key feature and I'm not saying that we need to go deeply into that but the fact that we can go this long on a specific thing that doesn't even touch on like the broader thing yeah. I think speaks volumes. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, not even to talk about, like, uh, healthcare is so, 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 so expensive. And one of the things you can do to make healthcare less expensive is deal with bureauc- bureaucracy for 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you can call the hospital. You can make them give you an itemized bill. You can call them back. You can fight about it. You can complain to them. You can go into their office. And, like, literally who in the world... While they are sick and trying to support themselves, has the time to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I I just went through, like, a really dumb thing with my insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, so much of healthcare is, like... Battling with your insurance company. Dealing with your insurance company. Yeah, I... So my current insurance company was refusing to cover any of this like all of this physical therapy I just had mm-hmm. and so when I when I was about to get the physical therapy I like asked my doctor I was like I I know I need this to walk again but I only want it if my insurance will pay for it yeah um which is already a fucked up position to be in that sentence alone um <laughs> but 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 my doctor was like your insurance says they'll pay for this mm-hmm. and then my insurance sent me a letter after I had got all of the physical therapy. Every single appointment that we could be approved for. Yeah, that said, we will not pay for this. And so I called them and I was like, what the fuck? And they were like, oh, you have other insurance. And I was like, no, I don't. I've only had you as my only insurance since September of 2019. Mm-hmm. I, I ended my insurance with my previous insurer on August 31st of 2019. It started with you guys on September 1st. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, there's just no proof. So I had to call my previous insurance company and be like, I'm so sorry, but I need you to email a letter of proof mm-hmm. that I am not insured by you. And have not been. For that, yeah, haven't been insured by you since August so that my new insurance company will believe me that they're my only insurance. Yeah. And pay out my my appointments. Yeah. When also, I would like to point out to anyone listening that that is an incredibly abridged version of that yes. uh, experience. Because it was... That, that exchange... Well, a lot of what you just laid out took place yesterday. Yes. I had been but, trying to figure out what the problem was. For... Like two months. Two months. Yeah, because no one would tell me why they wouldn't cover it. <laughs> that just said that there, there was one point where they claimed that your doctor submitted the request incorrectly. Yeah, submitted the referral to the physical therapist incorrectly. So yeah. I asked my doctor and I was like, can you resubmit it for that? And they were like, I can't resubmit a past referral, So, but it was probably done right. And I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. It. Um... Um, anyways, this is all to say that like one of the hidden costs of of healthcare in the United States it's is time. just like this absolute slog of your time with bureaucracy and it's like an incredibly incredibly confusing system i mean it's you know i i would say that healthcare 
and the insurance system is probably one of the things I know the most about. And it still took me like two months to figure out what the problem even was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so especially for communities where like education systems are worse and like you're having to work longer hours to support yourself and like all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. it just becomes an absolute nightmare to even figure out what the problem is, let alone fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't remember where that started. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, anyways, I, I mean, I guess I guess one of the things that we could abolish is private insurance. Yeah, pretty, I, 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 that would be, and granted, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I think that that would be <coughs> a, a major blow to a lot of the problems. Like, that would um, eliminate a lot of the barriers. However, it, would, it still wouldn't eliminate, you know, people not taking concerns seriously. And it would eliminate, well, uh, sort of. I mean, we could only get rid of private insurance if everybody who's currently has to be on private insurance could be guaranteed another form of insurance. Yes. Um, and I mean, I, I, I ultimately think that the solution isn't insurance. The solution mm-hmm. is to do away with the insurance industry entirely. I agree. Be it privatized or not, and bring down the costs of of healthcare itself and especially of medications. Yeah, I mean there there needs to be a like I don't know. There need there need to be regulations that say like you can only make your profit margin can only be can be no more than this much if it's for someone's medical treatment. Yeah, like, yeah, you should I mean, I don't I don't remember what the current profit margin on insulin is right now, but I remember it was like 200% or something. Yeah, and that's something that someone needs to live. That's something my dad needs to live. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's why it's my example, is because it's a thing that I have been in my house my entire childhood, and like... Yeah. um, And it's one of the most frequent deaths by un- unaffordability. I mean, it's one of the most mm-hmm. expensive, necessary, regular medications. Um, and it's also, it's be- because of the nature of diabetes and how insulin works, it's a medication that people very frequently think they can ration and, and make they last can't. longer. And you can only do that like a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, you think you know your body, and you're like, well, I can, like, ration a little bit. And you can for, like, a couple, like, a, like a day. But, like, you can't do that long term. Yeah. Because it'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this has been a really fun episode. Um, I want to end with this has been terrible to hear about. What should people be doing? <laughs> Um, the primary thing that I think people should be doing is showing up to protests Um, if you can I sometimes can Um, but like I was was just going to say there is somewhere we can and somewhere we can't yeah Um, (coughs) but you know 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 the level that you can engage at um and, and really and try to engage at that level. And in addition to that, or if you feel you can't do that, 
um, please be directing money not towards large organizations that are going to like just put it into nonprofit kind of slush funds, but like directly to people or towards like mutual aid organizations in your community um, who are showing, you know, actual proof that they are spending that money immediately to help people. Yeah. Um, I, I see a lot of people saying like, I see, something that I observe on social media is a lot of white people saying donate to the NAACP and a lot of black people saying, I don't know what the NAACP has ever done for me. Please just donate to like your friend who needs to buy food. Yeah. Um, not to trash the NAACP. I think they've probably done something good. Mm-hmm. They're just not a direct action group. And we're in like kind of a global crisis right now. And, and I think, and like you said, we're in a fast acting pandemic, which means that people, you can't afford for the funds that you donate to sift through the system to reach someone. Yeah, you can't. People wait need help for... now. When when it, you know if if FAC runs out at the end of the at the end of July, then you know people need to eat then, not yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's just for people who were able who qualified to receive it in the first place. Yeah. No, it's it's um. It's not a great situation. Um, another thing that people can be doing right now is, um, like, keep track of what your local government is doing and call and email them and tell them if you like it or not. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are putting out, like, here's a form email that you just have to type in your name and it will send, Mm -hmm. and that's better than doing nothing, but the, you know, an, an, an intern is usually the person going through those emails. And the protocol for that is that they can file, like, form emails by the third one. They can just go, okay, cool, that's that email, and just put them all in a folder, and they're just like, okay, we got 12 of that email. Mm. Um, But if you write your own email, they need to read all the way through it, and that eats up way more of their time. It makes a much bigger impact, Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to just being like, oh, we got 12 of that email. It's like, okay, we got... 12 people who were each individually impassioned enough to write their own thing that I had to read all the way through. Yeah. So I've been reading about this issue for an hour, you know? Yeah. And how much it matters to the people who we represent. Yeah. So, like, really, if you have the time, like, try... You can use those form emails to, like, see what points, but just, like, rearrange them. Like, put them in a different order. Use your own wording. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to, like come up with your own concepts if you don't want to, but but try to, like, make it sound like it's your own words. That really gives it more weight. Yeah, and just be engaged at the local level because that has more of an impact than I think anyone was led to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I used to be, like, very engaged in local politics when I lived in Northern California, but I haven't very much till now since I moved down to SoCal because mm-hmm. I was just like not you know I was not acquainted I was busy with school I was just like uh. you were here for a specific thing yeah I also don't vote here I still vote in Nevada City um mm-hmm. <laughs> but just because I don't vote here doesn't mean I I can't email people and say I, I live in Santa Clarita you know yeah just doxed myself um <laughs> I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows where I live. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Anything else? I think we about covered it. All right. 
Hey, we made it almost to the full episode. Like, we <laughs> said this is going to be a half episode. I really thought it was going to be like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we got into it. We did. Um, I am going to still end it a little bit early, and I am going to say that um, we, I will be back regularly, definitely, at some point. It might not be immediately, There, w- but like... This will be a regular podcast that comes out regularly again, um, so wait for that. But right now, there are other things that I am trying to prioritize, and there may be no episodes or sporadic episodes or Short shorter episodes, episodes um, or just not a variety of guests. Um, just because I think that there's, I I think that this show is does a really important thing, mm. but I think that there's also other really important things going on that can right that, now that need your time and energy that are more immediate and need my time and energy. Yeah. Um yeah, that's all I got. Do do be safe out there and engage with your community. Thank you for listening to It Definitely Can Hurt. If you have a question or topic suggestion related to alternative medicine that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, please send an email to itdefinitelycanhurt at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.